One of my favorite comedies as a young man was a movie called Half-Baked. It was a stoner comedy film made in 1998 starring Dave Chappelle, Jim Brewer, Harlan Williams, and Guillermo Diaz. The premise of the film is that these four stoner best friends grow up and become roommates living in New York City together. One day they encounter a problem when one of them gets arrested for feeding a diabetic police horse junk food because he was stoned. This horse passes away unfortunately as a result of diabetic shock from all these sugary sweets and snacks and popcorn. The friend who gets arrested, Kenny, is sentenced to a lengthy prison term charged with murdering an officer of the law. So it's kind of like a, it's a silly uh, a premise and it gets even sillier. In order to set Kenny free, master of the custodial arts or janitor if you're trying to be a dick about it, a fast food employee and a record store clerk become weed dealers to make enough money to bail their friend out of jail. I used to love this movie and it was years before I ever even tried smoking the devil's grass. That movie is a classic but frozen in time. In 2023, it's a bit difficult to watch it because weed laws have done a complete 180 degree turn in most parts of our country. All of the things the film's main characters have to go through to raise money to get their friend out of prison are indeed lovable and oafish, but pretty unnecessary. And even though it's meant to be silly, it's still almost too unbelievable coming from today's perspective. Even the character that Dave Chappelle's character falls in love with, Mary Jane Potman, and she only agrees to date him if he promises that he doesn't smoke weed. And when she does find out that he smokes, she tells him to quit or she's not gonna be in a relationship with him anymore. And she's way serious about it too. Her reasoning being that her father was in prison for drug dealing. So you see what I mean about the story seeming overly dramatic by today's standards? It's obviously written in a vastly different time in America. Do you remember how taboo marijuana use was before the early 2000s? Everyone who smoked weed in college circa 2007 all said the same things on repeat. When we graduate, since the economy is gonna be booming in 2009, we should go to Amsterdam, bro. It's legal there, which it's, it's, it is, but it isn't. That's a whole other story. We'd also say things like, it's not addictive, it's medicinal. And people say it makes you forgetful, but I took this test one day when I was stoned and I was super focused. I got like an A plus. We've all heard that story, right? And then all of a sudden, we moved out of that whole era. I remember it like it was yesterday. The year was, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what, when it happened, but I'm pretty sure it happened in California first. Marijuana had become incredibly destigmatized once it became legal to consume recreationally. And after that, it was like dominoes. Today, even if you live in a state that still prohibits its possession, you likely border a state with recreational weed stores on every corner. As a result, people have opened up about marijuana being able to help people focus. People started using it for their PTSD, anxiety, depression, ADHD even. Full transparency, I, myself, am a cannabis user. My college training for my current career in visual arts almost made altering my state of mind seem like a prerequisite. And for that reason, I found it to be a thing that enhances my creativity, inspires me, and helps me combat my poor focus caused by ADHD. It's also a pretty decent sleep aid and boosts your appetite. But after years of using cannabis, I'm starting to consider some of the things that were said about marijuana early on and whether or not there's any validity to some of these negative things that were said. 
Is marijuana use considered an effective treatment for ADHD symptoms? Is it really not addictive? Could something notoriously known for impairing your memory be a great tool for enhancing your cognitive performance? And are people with ADHD more likely to use marijuana? That's the topic of today's episode of Attention Please, so stay tuned. Seeing in a new kind of way, the type of day I mean it, I could do anything. I see you from up here toward the ceiling more spacious. Got me daydreaming of a way I could stay here. Hey. Hello, hello, fellow neurodivergents. Welcome to another episode of your favorite adult ADHD podcast. Attention, please. Did you miss me last week? I missed you guys too. Uh, sorry for the unexpected absence, but it's for good reasons. I've made some significant changes to our little community that I hope will make it feel more like a home. First off, on Spotify alone, I've got 21 followers. I have others on Stitcher and Apple adding up to about 30 plus subscribers. I debated whether or not I would reveal my excitement about such a seemingly small milestone, but I am excited about it. You know how we neurodivergents are. I didn't expect anyone to be interested in what I have to say, even though I invented podcasts. Yeah, that's right, guys. But I'm not trying to make it a big deal, so let's just keep it between us. Here's how I invented podcasts, okay? When I was a little kid, I used to make these fake radio shows. I used to watch the weather and then report it into a audio recorder, sing songs at the request of my grandmother, recite the Pledge of Allegiance, and even talk about world history. You know, if only there had been such a thing as the internet at that time. I mean, of course, because without people to hear the things that I was saying, I was just some little kid wasting tape on cassettes. And of course, I'm joking around. I didn't invent podcasts, obviously, but I basically gravitated towards talking into a microphone. I really liked the idea of telling stories and entertaining people in that way. So I tried messing around with audio again in college, probably because of smoking weed, to be honest. My roommates and I would gather around my iMac and do bong rips and then wax annoyingly about existentialism. And I honestly, I'm delighted that I did not have the time nor the energy to publish those low resolution rants on the internet. It'd be all like, hey man, have you ever watched The Wizard of Oz on mute but play Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon in the background? It's really trippy how it lines up, man. No, the world would the world will never hear that, and I'm glad. But all that being said, I've come a very long way. I struggle with inattention and taking the time to build what I have so far with this podcast is a massive personal accomplishment. And that's not even including the fact that at least 30 people tune in to hear me talk weekly. I told myself that I'd want Attention Please and AbundantADHD.com to be a supportive community of like individuals. So I did it. I created a Facebook group that's just for you, for us. And I'll be posting information there, um, encouraging discussions about the episodes, stories, and any other content that seems helpful for listeners of the show. Facebook groups out there. And I have another pretty big announcement. You may have also noticed that I released a locked episode on Spotify just before this one. The episode is unnumbered. That's because it's somewhat of a separate thing from Attention Please. This episode is about two hours long and it's titled Welcome to the U Testament. This is not a single episode, but it is a course designed to help people with ADHD accomplish their goals. It's based on a book I published containing 21 exercises to help creatives, entrepreneurs, podcasters, bloggers, and more. I use the same practices in this book to start this podcast. I hated my corporate job. 
I needed something more fulfilling in my life, but my thoughts just, they, they felt scattered and all over the place. Before I found my way back to talking into a microphone and doing these things that I was naturally pulled to as a kid, I tried a million other unrelated things. I feel like I wasted, I don't wanna say wasted time. I gained a lot of experience in areas that I didn't necessarily plan on. Like I've been a sign maker, a t-shirt designer, um, and I've even been a mechanic at a car dealership and managed an auto service center. So I've lived like a thousand different lives, it feels like. And I, I like that about myself. I like that I know, like I have a wide range of skill sets in different disciplines. But then I went from feeling multifaceted in my early 20s to kind of feeling like a mess in my early 30s. Despite all my interests and talents, I couldn't utilize my natural gifts and passions for something that gave me fulfillment. I made this book with a somewhat morbid fear of working in a cubicle for 30 years, even if I was financially stable, I'd be regretful on my deathbed that I didn't ever chase my dreams of learning jujitsu or starting a podcast, for example. And when you have ADHD, you inherently have this drive to do new and exciting things. You, it's not even a drive. It's almost like a necessity sometimes. The problem, though, is that we often don't know where to start. This course is where you start. The course is... Like I said, only about two hours in audio, but it's about 211 pages in the book itself. There's 21 exercises, and these exercises are meant to be done over the span of a few months to a year. To accomplish a career or health goal, you should subscribe to this course. It's just about the price of a cup of coffee at like Starbucks. Not like the fancy stuff, just regular coffee. And once you subscribe to the course, you'll find download links to a free digital copy of the book slash journal, the U Testament. And you can use it on your tablet, phone, or desktop as long as you have an app that can open and edit PDFs. And you can use it for a lifetime. There's also a link to the soft cover version of the book. It's like a little journal. The design is minimal. It's pretty cool looking. I recommend the soft cover if you love to journal and write things down. It's very affordable, but high quality. It's also small enough to fit into a laptop case or a binder. You can find all that on Spotify in this episode. Just check the show notes and click some links. And maybe you don't listen to this on Spotify, but you're still interested in the book. You can still find a link to purchase it or download a digital copy if you click the link in the show notes for this episode. So that's it. That's everything. Um, that's all the announcements. I told you guys I was busy. All right. <laughs> it's truly a labor of love for you listeners. So um, it's just a way that I can say thanks again for the support. And I have another pretty big announcement. You may have also noticed that I released a locked episode on Spotify just before this one. The episode is unnumbered. That's because it's somewhat of a separate thing from attention, please. This episode is about two hours long, and it's titled Welcome to the U Testament. This is not a single episode, but it is a course designed to help people with ADHD accomplish their goals. It's based on a book I published containing 21 exercises to help creatives, entrepreneurs, podcasters, bloggers, and more. I use the same practices in this book to start this podcast. I hated my corporate job. I needed something more fulfilling in my life, but my thoughts just, they, they felt scattered and all over the place. Before I found my way back to talking into a microphone and doing these things that I was naturally pulled to as a kid, I tried a million other unrelated things. I feel like I wasted... I don't want to say wasted time. I gained a lot of experience in areas that I didn't necessarily plan on. Like I've been a sign maker, a t-shirt designer, um, and I've even been a mechanic at a car dealership and managed an auto service center. So I've lived like a thousand different lives, it feels like. And I, I like that about myself. I like that I know, 
Like I have a wide range of skill sets in different disciplines. But then I went from feeling multifaceted in my early 20s to kind of feeling like a mess in my early 30s. Despite all my interests and talents, I couldn't utilize my natural gifts and passions for something that gave me fulfillment. I kept hopping around from one thing to the next and I just got tired of it. So I stumbled across this method that was used in corporate to motivate high-level professionals to streamline their goals. I learned this while I was working for three and a half years at like a really big real estate company. So I used this process as the basis for this course called the U-Testament. This course is perfect for people who are not necessarily interested in ascending the corporate ladder, but accomplishing personal goals as well. Goals that require you to step outside of your comfort zone a little. Goals that require a little bit more knowledge of your true self and what will make you actually fulfilled. I made this book with a somewhat morbid fear of working in a cubicle for 30 years, even if I was financially stable, I'd be regretful on my deathbed that I didn't ever chase my dreams of learning jujitsu or starting a podcast, for example. And when you have ADHD, you inherently have this drive to do new and exciting things. You, it's not even a drive, it's almost like a necessity sometimes. The problem though is that we often don't know where to start with neurodivergence. This course is where you start. The course is, like I said, only about two hours in audio, but it's about 211 pages in the book itself. There's 21 exercises, and these exercises are meant to be done over the span of a few months to a year. To accomplish a career or health goal, you should subscribe to this course. It's just about the price of a cup of coffee at like Starbucks. Not like the fancy stuff, just regular coffee. And once you subscribe to the course, you'll find download links to a free digital copy of the book slash journal, the U Testament. And you can use this to fill in the answers for the exercises. You can use it on your tablet, phone, or desktop as long as you have an app that can open and edit PDFs. And you can use it for a lifetime. There's also a link to the softcover version of the book. It's like a little journal. The design is minimal. It's pretty cool looking. I recommend the softcover if you love to journal and write things down. It's very affordable, but high quality. I love carrying mine around with me to take notes on the go. It's also small enough to fit into a laptop case or a binder. You can find all that on Spotify in this episode. Just check the show notes and click some links. And maybe you don't listen to this on Spotify, but you're still interested in the book. You can still find a link to purchase it or download a digital copy if you click the link in the show notes for this episode. So that's it. That's everything. Um, that's all the announcements. I told you guys I was busy, all right? <laughs> it's truly a labor of love for you listeners. So um, it's just a way that I can say thanks again for the support. So, all right. Now, that being said, now that I know that I have at least 30 dedicated subscribers, there's no reason why I shouldn't see at least 10 five-star ratings for the show on Spotify alone. So don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and follow the group on Facebook if you love me that much, okay? So now let's talk about drugs, y'all. So there's research suggesting that individuals with ADHD may be more likely to use marijuana compared to those without ADHD. Several studies have found a correlation between ADHD and higher rates of marijuana use. A study published in the Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychology in 2017 found that adolescents with ADHD were more likely to use marijuana and initiate marijuana use earlier than non-ADHD counterparts. And here are a few reasons why some individuals with ADHD may be drawn to marijuana. One reason, people with ADHD use marijuana as a form of self-medication to manage their symptoms. 
because ADHD is characterized by difficulties with attention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, and marijuana use may be perceived as a way to alleviate these symptoms. Some people report that marijuana helps them feel calmer, more focused, or less restless. Another reason would be anxiety and stress reduction. With co-occurring conditions such as anxiety and mood disorders, marijuana's psychoactive properties can induce relaxation and temporarily reduce anxiety or stress levels. Individuals with ADHD may turn to marijuana to self-soothe or cope with these comorbid conditions. Sensory regulation. ADHD is linked to sensory processing issues where individuals may be oversensitive or undersensitive to certain sensory stimuli. Marijuana's effects on sensory perception can potentially help individuals with ADHD regulate their sensory experiences and achieve a more balanced state. It sounds like another way of saying reducing stress if you don't listen very closely, but it's not quite the same. Reduced stress is a result of reducing sensory regulation, yes, but another word for reducing sensory, sensory regulation to be more specific is, is that it helps you tune out or veg out or it also enhances feelings of love or happiness or laughter or excitement. So marijuana is a great way to get through mundane tasks that are otherwise boring. You uplift your perception and the way you sense things. It reminds me of the words uttered by the late rapper from near my hometown, Mac Miller. He's known as a, well, he was known as an avid drug user. And he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I can leave the house and go to a party and spend money on some adventure, or I can spend $50, have an adventure right here in this room. And it's one of the reasons why I, I guess I kind of gravitated towards weed as a young aspiring, you know, creative person. Part of design is sitting in front of a computer for many hours performing fairly mundane tasks. And one good way to deal with that is to put on a podcast or a, a movie in the background or music and, uh, and get stoned, like to be honest. And the final reason that people with ADHD might be pulled towards the use of marijuana is curiosity and social factors. Like anybody else, individuals with ADD or ADHD may be influenced by curiosity or social factors when it comes to marijuana use. They may try it due to peer pressure or out of a desire to explore new experiences, similar to individuals without ADHD. The only reason why I tried it really was because of my friends, so I guess that makes sense. But that's not the question. The question of this whole episode, if you recall, is not whether or not people with ADHD like to consume marijuana, but now we do know that we are somewhat predisposed to it. But the question is, does it actually help? Are those things that proponents of marijuana say true, despite its growing availability and popularity? Some of the main points that marijuana enthusiasts use to defend is it's not addictive. But is it? Is it addictive? Yes, marijuana can lead to addiction. Although the likelihood and, although the likelihood and severity of the addiction can vary among adults, the addictive potential of marijuana primarily relates to the psychoactive compound THC or delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol present in the plant. That's the thing that gets you high. So while weed addiction is less common compared to substances like nicotine, alcohol, opioids, it is still possible to become addicted. The following factors contribute to the addictive nature of weed. Psychological dependence. Frequent or heavy marijuana users can uh, become psychologically dependent on the drug, where individuals are going to feel a strong desire or a compulsion to continue using the drug to experience those pleasurable effects or to cope with some negative emotions or experiences in their environment or boredom, <laughs> what have you. Um, 
Tolerance and withdrawal is another thing that causes addiction. Regular use can lead to an increased tolerance, meaning that higher doses are needed to achieve the desired effects. So when someone is dependent on marijuana, stops or reduces their use, they may experience some withdrawal symptoms like irritability, mood changes, sleep difficulties, decreased appetite and cravings. And vulnerability is another reason some individuals may be more susceptible to developing an addiction to marijuana due to factors such as genetic predisposition or co-occurring mental health conditions or environmental influences. So from the sounds of it, it's like going off of that last little note there on vulnerability and predisposition seems like that's almost like a red flag for people with ADHD right there. If you're already predisposed to have an addictive personality or you struggle with comorbid conditions, depression, anxiety, etc. This can actually make it worse depending on how much you're smoking. Not everybody that uses weed is going to develop an addiction and the risk factors vary from person to person, but for some individuals, marijuana can lead to problematic patterns and interfere with like regular aspects of your daily life, such as relationships, work, school performance, overall well-being. So that's something to take into consideration. Memory loss. <laughs> Hello, old friend. Uh, Short-term memory impairment is one of the acute effects of marijuana use, meaning that it typically occurs during intoxication and may last for a few hours. The typical effects on memory for marijuana use include difficulty retaining new information or trouble recalling recent events or conversations, and more notably, impaired attention and concentration. Ah. To break it down a little bit more without getting too heavy into it, marijuana use primarily affects the encoding and retrieval of new information, meaning like your short-term memory is screwed up, right? And while long-term and remote memories are generally less affected once the acute effects wear off. So most individuals regain their normal cognitive function, including memory capabilities. So you might not have a hard time remembering a lovable family trip, or your best friend's name from high school, but you could have trouble remembering things like appointments or verbal instructions that people are telling you in the moment. So I'm unsure if they say your memory is mainly affected while intoxicated, that's what it sounds like. It's only happening while you're stoned. But here's the catch, keep this in mind. The primary psychoactive ingredient in weed that gets you high, THC, has a much more extended processing period in the body than other mind-altering substances. Like for instance, um, marijuana can be detected in your urine for up to 30 days after the last use in chronic or heavy users, and occasional users may test positive for about one to 10 days. Compared to other drugs like cocaine, amphetamines, those are generally detectable in your urine for only two to four days. While certain opioids like heroin may be detectable for even shorter amounts of time. So this tells me that even though the high may only last a few hours, your thinking could still be impaired by marijuana for over a week after using it. If it's still in your system, it is still affecting you, in my opinion. If you're having difficulty retaining info, recalling events, you already have problems with attention, this is an aspect of it that kind of raises a red flag and says this is exactly the thing that I'd imagine someone should avoid when they have ADHD. Some research suggests that prolonged use, especially during adolescent uh, brain development phases, they are associated they could be associated with long-term cognitive deficits, including memory impairments. Doesn't sound great. So is marijuana helpful for people with ADHD? Contrary to some of the points made so far regarding marijuana use and its potential hazards, it actually can be beneficial for soothing ADHD symptoms, but only to a limited capacity. And I'll explain that. Some people report that they do have positive results, like they're able to focus more, pay attention more, and 
and etc. Look at the small details of things and find significance in them and whatnot. And that does happen. I have experienced that myself. But the scientific research on marijuana's effects, specifically on ADHD symptoms, it's very limited. And the existing studies have produced mixed and inconclusive results. So why do people think that weed is helpful for you when you have ADHD then? Why are there all those positive kind of stories about it that you heard way back in the early 2000s? Like, oh man, it's not addictive and you know, all that stuff. My hypothesis is that people who can find a balance with this magical herb will experience fewer adverse side effects. Meaning, as long as you're not lighting up as soon as you wake up, smoking every day, all day, and you're being responsible, I think that that window is a little easier to fit through, right? So I'm thinking you might be okay if you can manage to only smoke on the weekends or take a couple of puffs off of a vape or a joint before bed, you know, I think you'll be okay then, but I wouldn't recommend getting obliterated though. And that's where this can be tricky if you suffer from neurodivergence. A part of the dilemma is that if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll recall that people with ADHD have a predisposition toward addiction, towards things that give us a thrill. It's not just weed that we gravitate towards more frequently. Our chemically different brains are aching for excitement and stimulus, anything to boost the chemicals in our pleasure and reward centers of our brain. As I stated before, I, I, I'm a cannabis user. I was a late bloomer to smoking weed, no pun intended. And some of my closest friends had been getting stoned ever since they were 15, but the D.A.R.E. program like really worked in scaring the shit out of me. But still, the first time I ever smoked, I was like in love. I soaked it in like a sponge, you know? And then after that, I was utterly square and sober. And a few months later, I was off to art school, where I quickly made up for all this lost time with Mary Jane, so to speak. Suddenly, I was one of those people at a party, all red-eyed, touting the benefits of marijuana. It makes me more creative. I'll, I'll consume an entire box of Lucky Charms before bed and wake up without a hangover tomorrow morning, unlike all you drinkers. This honeymoon phase with Mary Jane, it felt really long and blissful and dreamlike, in the sense that it's a little hard to remember as well. But after college, the problems with weed became a little more apparent. And I was more forgetful than I remembered being in my younger years. I felt anxious and moody when I didn't have weed to smoke. And it was challenging to handle adult problems while stoned. I wonder why there was such a drastic change in my ability to perform from college into the real world. Because I'd, I didn't really change anything. But I realized I was in freaking art school. Learning to be a designer is demanding. But it's just not demanding in the same ways required to become a doctor or a criminal investigator. The vibe is a lot more forgiving and you can sometimes get weird on projects and just chalk it up to creative expression and there's no f or whatever because you know that's just how you expressed at the time so when you graduate though it's a lot less fun in the design industry because most jobs require you to create within very specific precise guidelines and it's usually very rigid and boring it's like a regular job so though weed does have some medicinal benefits and things like that, it does slow you down a bit. It, it does um, have a limit depending on what kind of environment you're in, depending on what type of activity you're, you're doing. In the way that steroids kind of increase the, not, they, not kind of, they do increase the levels of testosterone production tenfold to build up the will and the drive to build muscle. But once you've taken steroids for a while and you stop taking them, it's challenging to produce enough of the hormone on its own to get back to your normal levels. And this is why individuals lose their hair and grow breasts if they didn't have them before. And men's testicle sizes drastically decrease, resulting in like sexual dysfunction and things like that. 
And that's because the body becomes used to not having to work on its own to produce and regulate certain chemical functions. And after a while, it just stops doing it on its own. It's had that natural boost. And I think this is why if you smoke weed or take any drug that alters your natural chemical balance, even your prescription Adderall, especially your prescription Adderall, this has the potential to disrupt how you feel or your body's natural ability to regulate you. And that's my whole thing with like weed. I, I don't think it's like super bad other than for your lungs and whatnot, but it, it affects you a lot more than I think we have come up believing. I can see why people argue that weed is not habit forming and it's good for you. Um, or it doesn't have, I won't say it's good for you, but it has, doesn't have a lot of negative effects or any. But that's just untrue in my personal experience. Compared to other drugs like nicotine or caffeine, it's a lot less unpleasant to suddenly stop using. And uh, especially considering the withdrawals from substances like cocaine, heroin, even alcohol, those drugs can cause serious illnesses if you stop taking them or even kill you. If you suddenly decide to stop taking your clinically prescribed stimulants for ADHD, you could suffer from severe mood swings, suicidal ideations, or even seizures. So weed withdrawal is a lot less intense, to say the least. At worst, from my experience, you get grumpy for a few days and then you're in the clear. Being put out in the open, I would say that you're going to use anything ritually. I'd say weed's probably the safest, but it's definitely not the most effective. It's not for treating ADHD because of all the things that we talked about already. That brought me to this final part. If you're going to use weed anyway, how can you reduce the negative side effects of marijuana so you can minimize the potential that it's going to exacerbate your ADHD? Here's a couple of tips. For one, you can microdose. Cannabis has grown significantly strong over the years. According to a study published in the Journal of Addiction in, or in the Journal of Addiction or the Journal Addiction, either way, is published in 2019. The average THC concentration in confiscated marijuana samples in the U.S. increased from around 4% in the 90s to approximately 12% in 2014. In some samples, THC, concentration, THC concentrations reported to exceed 20% or uh, even reach 30% or higher in certain high-potency strains. So one hit from a joint today is probably comparable to smoking half a joint in 1990. Being slightly buzzed seems to offer more benefits than being stoned out of your mind, obviously. So I would say try taking about a half a puff to ensure that you're still going to remain relatively sharp, but you still get a little bit of that euphoria, a little bit of a, a tiny boost, right? The other thing you can do is edibles. Burning weed is very different from eating it. When weed is burnt, it releases certain compounds and toxins that are said to be largely responsible for the negative side effects like forgetfulness or of course harming the lungs or or feelings of addiction edible forms of cannabis are said to be a workaround to this problem but i'm warning you right now <laughs> when you eat weed it's way more potent psychoactive and the high lasts much longer than when you um, smoke it and that's because thc is processed by your liver when you eat it and it creates a different chemical compound called 11-hydroxymetabolite, which can cause the experience to be a little more on the psychedelic side, like taking shrooms or um, LSD or something. So again, microdose, even when you do edibles or when you're vaping. Vaping is a great alternative 
to edibles because it avoids those intense highs and you don't have to inhale smoke either. So instead of burning your weed, and we talked about why that's bad, vaping heats the buds to a temperature that releases pure vapors, not smoke. Um, I bought a vaporizer some years ago. Don't use it anymore because it's super old, but um, I did notice that the highs are less potent and you can kind of function with a, a bit of a clearer head. Final tip I could say on how to utilize cannabis for um, people with ADHD. Again, all this, keep in mind, I'm not a doctor, but this is just from personal experience. If you're a frequent marijuana user, take breaks. It can be challenging, but take a week off or two as much as you can. This will give your brain a rest and decrease your tolerance more. Keep it nice and, and low. So you have to use less to feel the benefits. So in conclusion, I'd say marijuana is overall not an effective treatment for ADHD. It's more so a band-aid for the condition's comorbidities than anything else, to me. Relief from anxiety and depression can occur, but only for brief intervals, like when you're stoned. You can become addicted to marijuana, but on a more psychological level, so dependency will likely not yield any fatal withdrawal symptoms. If you are a frequent user of marijuana and feel that you're addicted, you should go to your doctor for ways to get help. You can also ask Google where to find help. Um, if you're trying to get an Adderall prescription, it, they might not. They'll, I, would, I would go ahead and say if you say that you smoke weed, you're definitely not going to get it. Um, I've met people that say they were denied focused medication for admitting that they recreationally use marijuana or other drugs. So there's that. I'm just saying. I'm not telling you to try to ab not abide by the system <laughs> or whatever, but it's just something to know. And before we reach the end of today's episode, it's time for the Spotify question of the day. Do you currently use marijuana because you feel like it helps you with ADHD? And if you do, how does it help you the most? All right, with that, it's time to call this one. I hope you found it informative or at least helpful. Don't forget to join the Facebook group and to like and subscribe and share this with your friends on social media, etc. Also, give me a five-star rating if you support what I'm doing here. All right, and you can find the link to the Facebook group in this episode. All right, much love, y'all. DC out.